Welcome back to The Drip, the podcast where four academics of color sit around and discuss great books. Each episode features a free-flowing conversation about one book that leads us to a broader conversation about race, culture, and politics. All the things that keep us gabbing when we're hanging out in coffee shops and tea shops and in each other's homes. And we are again at Todd's place right now. So thanks, Todd, Lucia, and Bash for hosting Yay, us. Thank you. You are so very welcome. <laughs> 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 that was Bash or Crystal's uh, imitation of Bash. I'm Anita Chikatur, the host for the show, and I teach in the Department of Educational Studies at Carleton College. I'm Adriana Estel, and apparently I also teach at Carleton College. Who <laughs> does? I can verify that. English and American Studies. And I'm Crystal Moten. Currently, I teach African American History at McAllister, but this is... Um, a transition moment because I'll be starting a new job at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. But don't fear because I'm not leaving the podcast. Yay! Yay! I'll just be in a different location. <laughs> and Technology any, is awesome. Yeah. And if any of you want to send money so that we can all travel to DC, <laughs> yes. let us know. We we're we're for, open to grants. We're looking yes. for funders. Yes. Yes. But yes. technology is so great in this moment that we're going to be able to have Crystal still on the show. Yes. So it's going to be awesome. All right. I'm Todd Lawrence. I teach uh, in the English department at the University of St. Thomas, and I'm not going to sell the things I teach because let's get on. <laughs> so, yes, and let's get on because we're super excited. In this episode, we're going to be reading some poems and talking about them. We're going to be reading poems from Dennis Smith's 2017 collection of poems, Don't Call Us Dead. Dennis Smith is an award-winning poet. They have won the Kate Tufts Discovery Award and the Lambda Literary Award, and most recently, they won a Pushcart Prize for their poem, Say It With Your Whole Black Mouth, which was originally published by Academy of American Poets. And they are a local person, so they actually live in Minneapolis. Uh, Dennis Smith identifies as gender neutral and uses the pronouns they, them, theirs. So I'm not going to be issuing my usual spoiler alert for the episode because y'all know we do call ourselves the All Spoilers Collective (laughs) because we're actually going to each read one poem from the collection or a section of a poem, and then we're going to talk about it. We, of course encourage you to go out there and buy or borrow and read the whole book. But in case you haven't had a chance to do so, do not fear. You can listen to this episode anyway. Um, and also, Dennis does, like, incredible reading of their own poems. So we're get a little intimidated, but we're going to go for it anyway. <laughs> uh, but before we get started, we did want to talk a little bit about language. Um and sort of, you know, we had a whole conversation about how to approach some of the language in the book and specifically the N-word. And Crystal, Adriana, and I decided that when it comes up, if it's in the poems that we're going to read, we're just going to say N. And we'll also link to a podcast episode by a professor named Coritha Mitchell, who kind of talks about that's kind of the role in her classroom. And she'll sort of explain a little bit more about why um, that's the case. Uh, but Todd, you would make a different choice if that word showed up in a poem you were going to read. Yeah, I think so. And um, fortunately, I'm not reading a poem um, that uses the N-word. I don't know if it's fortunate or not, but I'm not reading a poem that's going to use the N-word. But if I were, I think I would decide to say it. And the reason is because I um, I really think that that word, as used by African Americans in everyday speech, in writing, in uh, art, um, that it has a lot of power mm-hmm. and the sort of reappropriative power of that mm-hmm. used in black language and black conversation and discourse is really powerful. And I don't want to take it away from the author. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, I, I definitely recognize that it is triggering. It can be traumatizing for people to hear that word spoken out loud. But um, mm-hmm. for me, 
I, you know, I, I guess I, I didn't, I didn't grow up. I grew up hearing it and I grew up hearing it in a positive deployment, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, even when I'm teaching books in class that use that word or use other words for African-Americans that are like um, not preferred today, um, we have conversations about this and I, I don't ban the use of mm. many words in my classroom, but we talk about what are the impacts of using those words and wh- and what might be the responses of people who hear those words used in their presence and that mm-hmm. if you're going to speak that word that you have to be prepared for the ramifications of mm-hmm. using that word. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would basically be my position. I, I just, I feel in some ways that to not say it might be to take some something away from the poem that I mm-hmm. might be reading. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, we talked about this too, like there's other words that are I, identifying category words that I'm not, I don't belong mm-hmm. to that group. And so I would feel much less mm-hmm. comfortable using yeah. those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And that's definitely my take on the N word as a non-black person of color. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Now we're going to get to the poetry. So Crystal's going to go first and read her favorite poem. Yeah. So my favorite poem in the collection is, um, is a popular one. It's Dinosaurs in the Hood. And so... Give us a page. Page 26. (laughs) All right. Dinosaurs in the Hood. Let's make a movie called Dinosaurs in the Hood. Jurassic Park meets Friday meets the pursuit of happiness. There should be a scene where a little black boy is playing with a toy dinosaur on the bus, then looks out the window and sees the T-Rex because there has to be a T-Rex. Don't let Tarantino direct this. In his version, the boy plays with the gun, the metaphor. Black boys toy with their own lives, the foreshadow to his end, the spitting image of his father. Nah. The kid has a plastic brontosaurus or triceratops, and that is his proof of magic or God or Santa. I want a scene where a a cop car gets pooped on by a pterodactyl. A scene where the corner store turns into a battleground. Mm. Don't let the Wayans brothers in this movie. (laughs) I don't want any racist shit about Asian people or overused Latino stereotypes. This movie is about a neighborhood of royal folks. Children of slaves and immigrants and addicts in exile. Saving their town from real ass dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't want some cheesy yet progressive mung sexy dude hero with a funny yet strong commanding black girl buddy cop film. This is not a vehicle for Will Smith and Sofia Vergara. <laughs> I want grandmamas, grandmas on the front porch taking out raptors with guns they hid in walls and under mattresses. Yes. I want those little spitty, screamy dinosaurs. (laughs) I want Cicely Tyson to make a speech. Maybe two. I want Viola Davis to save the city in the last scene with the black fist Afro pick through the last dinosaur's long, cold blood neck. But this can't be a black movie. This can't be a black movie. This movie can't be dismissed because of its cast or its audience. This movie can't be metaphor for black people and extinction. This movie can't be about race. This movie can't be about black pain or cause black pain. This movie can't be about a long history of having a long history with hurt. This movie can't be about race. Nobody can say in in this word who can't say it in my face in public. No chicken jokes in this movie, no bullet holes in the heroes, and no one kills the black boy. And no one 
kills the black boy and no one kills the black boy. Besides, the only reason I want to make this is for the first scene anyway. Little black boy on the bus with his toy dinosaur, his eyes wide and endless, his dreams possible, pulsing, and right there. Yeah. <laughs> there will be snapping. Yeah. There are also a few tears. I'm just yeah. Gonna say. yeah. Yeah. So poetry is good, y'all. Yeah. Really, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I love it just how powerful it is mm-hmm. and um just to sit like we're sitting at a kitchen table someone reads a poem and everybody is kind of floored by it right? yeah 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 i just think it's great yeah this is why i do what i do mm-hmm. <laughs> so crystal why did you choose this poem to read i think this poem is one of my favorites because it showcases what uh Dinesh smith does so well Mm. in a lot of their poetry. Um, And that's bring together, I think, the kind of brutality of the present moment Mm -hmm. with uh, um, the preciousness of the history Mm. and the preciousness of kind of understanding that despite the pain of black history, there's also tremendous joy Mm. in black history. And so, um, you know, I think about that little black boy who's the centerpiece of... Uh, this poem, but whose whose very presence rests on um, kind of the history and um, existence of an entire group of people, right? Mm-hmm. And we see all of those connections in this poem, from the mm-hmm. grandmas on the front porch, cultural references to Cicely Tyson and Viola Davis, um, and so we see um, all of all that's come be- mm-hmm. before before this little black boy. Mm-hmm. Um, to bring him to this to this moment, but also there's a pain in this poem, mm. right? That the, that this image um, and this existence of this little black boy is not the norm. Like it's not the normative that we hear about in terms of little black boys, right? That this is in mm. some ways a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that it's only a fantasy, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's um, the challenge of this poem is it's mm-hmm. you know talking about. First, you think it's just talking about making movies that don't fit regular genres of movies. Right. And I think what's so powerful about the mm-hmm. ending, though, is, mm-hmm. it, I mean, this is a book that's full of um, the mourning of mm-hmm. black boys' lives yes. in a variety right. of ways. Right, right. Um, and an attempt to actually not mm-hmm. just mourn, but kind mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. celebrate and find ways to recuperate mm-hmm. um, those mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you, you get through this whole poem, which you think is just, oh, like, he's... They, they are responding to movie genres right. and saying, where is the space mm-hmm. for black boys in these movies? Mm-hmm. But by the end, the repetition of no one kills the black boy mm-hmm. and no right. one kills the black boy and no mm-hmm. one. It, it's not just making space in the movies. Mm-hmm. There's an attempt to make space in the world. Well, because, I mean, what, what many people understand 
of the world, their experience in the world is very much influenced by what they see, which mm-hmm. is why mm-hmm. representation is so important. Right. Which yeah. I think is one of the reasons why the poem engages, you know, film and television mm-hmm. depictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that even the title, you know, Dinosaurs in the Hood, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, re- it right. sort of calls to mind, you know, movies like Boys in the right. Hood. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Which, which, by the way, shout out to John Singleton. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Rest, yeah. In Rest in peace. Rest in peace and power. And, power. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that movie, to me, back uh, when it came out, was extremely powerful but there is a kind of um rash of movies like that which made it seem like that was the only kind of experience of people right black Mm -hmm. people who lived in in Mm -hmm. the city Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. not right and so Mm -hmm. this sort of like you said crystal normalizes a kind of moment of existence Mm -hmm. in black life which is quite common um even though we think like if you if you if you have never been to the south side of Chicago right. and you have been watching the news for the last three years, you would think that it's mm-hmm. a war zone oh, and that people right. are just like lying, bleeding in the street, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is not true. true. Yeah. There's a whole sort of mm-hmm. life going on mm-hmm. there. And we got a, we got a sense of it when we read Michelle Obama and, of right, course, right. from Crystal, who's from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eve Ewing. And Eve Ewing, absolutely, yes. right? Yeah. So that this I think this poem really gets at that mm-hmm. yeah the, actually so I wanted to ask a question about that fantasy so is the fantasy that we will someday live in a world where we will make movies like this because I feel like the little black boy in the bus with the toy dinosaur his eyes wide and endless as dreams possible pulsing in right there is not a fantasy right like that is reality mm-hmm. right because there are tons of black boys who are on the bus with their toy mm-hmm. dinosaurs and mm-hmm. maybe dreaming f- about like so i'm just curious about like I, what that fantasy like part i was. don't know if that is a reality in the way that denez smith poses the poem huh. right that it, a that scene doesn't occupy movies right, right. as a scene that right. drives right. narratives right. Right. of any sort yes but also and having um, seen Denez perform this there's a way in which they they end with this kind of like performative kind of like moment stretching their hand out and mm. his mm. dreams possible pulsing and right there and mm. It's mm. it's unfinished. It feels mm-hmm. very unfinished mm-hmm. at the end of the poem mm-hmm. because he can't reach his dreams. Oh, okay, he can well, see it, them, but like they're mm, not within his. Because I feel like just reading it, that's not how I yeah. read it. So, but yeah, one thing the performance that, might be yeah. shaping my. I think one thing that we we might know that might be true. I mean, you know, this happens, right? This this child exists. This kid right. exists, but when you are a black child living in America in a white world, that feeling doesn't persist. Mm -hmm. There's a point where you realize, Mm -hmm. oh, my life will be, is a precarious existence, right? Like, so, so, I mean, maybe the the Mm -hmm. fantasy or the the desire or the wish is that um, black boys can stay in that, in that sort of state of existence, Mm -hmm. that state of being, right? Right. Um, so mm. you don't of like possibility play, right you're not like, playing with a gun mm. at the park and the police show up and kill you right like I mean that's not that doesn't happen all the time mm-hmm. but it becomes a, a present reality mm-hmm. at some point when you know a 12 year old boy has to realize when they have the talk when their parents have the talk mm-hmm. with them right, right. Yeah. Yep. right. Like, okay. you can't play like other boys play like other kids play you have to be mm-hmm. you know in this sort of state of heightened awareness mm-hmm. okay. I mean I think the poem kind of um, gets at that in that second stanza 
with the Tarantino version, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Black boys toy with their own lives, mm -hmm. the foreshadow to his end, mm -hmm. the spitting image of his father. Mm -hmm. So we get that kind of repetition of black masculinity. Yeah. Um, right, and to me, that's the fantasy, though, right? Like Tarantino's version of black masculinity is the fantasy. I so I was reading Tarantino's version as what the reality and expectation is. And hmm. in, in in Tarantino, like people who make films like that, key on that to the um, exclusion of other kinds yeah. of right. experience mm -hmm. of blackness, right? right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's a real thing, but if every movie is mm -hmm. like that like we mm. we know the world you know what i'm saying like every okay. time you see a boy on a, a black boy in a scene with a gun you know what's gonna happen, happen. Mm -hmm. in fact every time you see a black boy in a movie you know what's it's gonna, gonna happen. happen it's very rare that it's gonna make it to the end yeah, of the movie, movie. Mm -hmm. if it's a serious movie very rare right? right 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 but that's like the i feel like it's fantasy because we think that that is the like in tarantino's version of the movie that's like the only reality that right. black boys have yes, i suppose I, I think you're right about that so hmm. yeah hmm. I really like the way that the poem plays with what can heroism look like in mm -hmm. this new kind yeah, of movie, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. You know, the grandmas mm -hmm, with the mm -hmm. um, guns under mattresses. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's a... Uh, right, I mean, he deliberately chose grandma, uh -huh. Cicely Tyson, mm -hmm. and Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. not dudes. Yep. Mm -hmm. and so I, I feel think like that's Viola like Davis would be more like an auntie. She's not old enough to be a grandma, is she? Oh, not no, yet. sorry, sorry. I was, just, I was saying grandmas, comma, Cicely <laughs> Tyson, comma, <laughs> Viola Davis. There were I mean, Oxford commas there, man. <laughs> no, I am not calling Viola Davis a grandma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you, Viola Davis. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, man. So I do like that. It's kind of this, like, yeah. interesting mm -hmm. version of, like... Mm -hmm. Speaking of like masculinity and sort of masculinist fantasies, perhaps, right? Of like heroism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is this is one of Danez's sort of most popular is it? pieces that they mm. do. Um, like mm. when they go to in any campus, yeah, people will yell for this one. For right? this one. Oh, so why do you that. think? I mean, why do you why think it's it so popular? That's such a good question. I mean, I think about this a lot because you know when we bring poets, um, performance mm -hmm. poets to campus. A lot of times there's like one poem that students really have heard and are mm -hmm. really keyed in on. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious, like, why that one? And, yeah. you know, is it just because that's the one that they've heard? or I wonder if it's like actually more accessible, right? Because mm. it's like movies. It's people probably know Tarantino. People mm -hmm. know like the genre of dinosaur movies, mm -hmm. right? So in some ways, like he's, sorry, they um, are pushing beyond that sort of, you know, commonly things but I also feel like maybe that just seems like familiar to them in a way that maybe I don't know and I think it's not just that the tropes are familiar I think it's affectively familiar yeah mm -hmm. so there's a way in which like it, it you know it starts out let's make a movie so it invites you know the yeah. listener in mm -hmm. to like reimagine the world mm -hmm. and it's funny and kind of lighthearted mm -hmm. at first mm -hmm. and it's really like not until the last two stanzas yes. where it digs into right. this um uh, cl this larger claim about like what's at stake in remaking yeah. representation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I and I think of this poem, even though it's in this you know collection of written poetry, as kind of a classic example of slam poetry. Yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah, so yeah. just mm -hmm. the effect of okay. of them performing this, I could I could just imagine how this would just light up a crowd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and not all of the poems in this book mm -hmm. have that same kind of slam poetry right. feel. Right. Yeah. Um, in fact, we'll, one thing we'll talk about later after we all kind of move through our poems is a little bit more about the variety of forms mm -hmm. and the way that Denez mm -hmm. is playing with, with mm -hmm. form. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I liked it also because I feel like 
they call out so many problems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. you know, no Wayne, bro- Wayne and Brothers because I don't want any racist shit about Asian people mm-hmm. or use Latino stereotypes mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I feel like that was part of why I appreciated it, right? So yeah. it was sort of making all of these different points about mm-hmm. stereotypical portrayals, right? And like mm-hmm. just a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not a paragraph, whatever it's called in poetry. Stenza. Thank you. Stenza. Sorry. But people understand what you mean okay. when you say <laughs> paragraph. Yeah. This poem got paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, a sociologist. <laughs> I really also just love, I don't know why, but this image of the black fist Afro pick. Mm-hmm. There's something so specific yeah. about the, mm-hmm. the like props mm-hmm. in the poem mm-hmm. along the way, but that mm-hmm. one is my favorite. It's going to go through the last dinosaur's long cold black neck. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's going to be a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, somebody needs to make this movie. Yeah. yeah. But I love the idea, you know, that, but this can't be a black movie. This can't right. be a right. black movie. This movie can't be dismissed. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Absolutely. it's a, you, you know, so often in the history of black artistic creation, right, uh, that the product has been dismissed as not universal. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. to make the argument or the assertion that this this representation about blackness is universal, that it does, mm-hmm. it, it should not be dismissed as inaccessible right. to like, the larger audience. How right? did If Beale Street talk yeah. get like ignored by the academy like how did that even happen uh, that is a travesty uh, <laughs> it's a whole other thing and i also think uh, you know actually because the next book we're going to read um claudia rankine's the white card i was thinking about the line this movie can't be about black pain or cause black pain mm-hmm. i was kind of thinking about like what are the kinds of mm-hmm. you know besides the like boys with guns kind of fantasies right the other thing that is like very palatable is mm-hmm. like black Pain, right. right, and so kind of that. Right. I also thought was like really important. And white savior narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Shall we move on? Yes. Maybe let's do. I am next. Okay. All right. Mine is called One and Two, and it's on page 61. One and Two. On February 23rd, 2016, the CDC released a study estimating one in two black men who have sex with men will be diagnosed with HIV in their lifetime. The cells of you heard a tune you could not hear. You memorized and masqueraded, karaoke'd without knowing. You went in for a routine test and they told you what you were made of. Honey spoiled into mead, lemon mold, broken proofs, traffic tickets, unidentified shard, a shy red moon, a book of antonyms, the book of Job, a lost child unaware of its name. You knew it would come to this, but then it actually came. Away to the red lake to dance in the red waves. Oh, sugar boys, my choir candy, wade slow and forever. Dip a toe and red water will crawl toward your neck. Come on, dive in. Or to be swallowed and the water wants to meet you. Why not on such a pretty night with the shorts of burgundy foam teething toward your teeth like wine out for blood and the sky dark as a N? Who once told you, you cute and don't worry. He who smelled coffee sweet and cigarello blue entered me but knew better but. He who in his wake left shredded turret threw back his head and spewed light from every opening and in me. Light fell on a door and in the door a me I didn't know and you. The now me whose blood blacks and curls back like paper near an open flame. I walked toward the door as I walked away from the door. When I met me in the middle, nothing grand happened. A rumor made its way around my body. If you trace the word diagnosis back enough, you'll find destiny. Trace it forward, find diaspora. 
Is there a word for the feeling prey feel when the teeth finally sink after years of waiting? Plague and genocide meet on a line in my body. I cut open my leg and it screamed. So why did you choose it, Anita? Um, it's really odd because I've been thinking a lot about sort of the 80s and the 90s and partly because I think I went to hear this author kind of talking about uh, sort of the AIDS epidemic in, you know, sort of the 80s and the 90s. And I feel like these days it's not something that we actually talk a lot about, mm-hmm. right? And like reading that line that, you know, Dennis Smith starts with, right? 2016, the CDC released a study estimating that one in black two, oh, sorry, one in two black men ha- who have sex with not only diagnosed with HIV in their lifetime. And I was like, and I feel like I had some sense of mm-hmm. the high rates, but to read that, um, I was just kind of like, right, you know, it's not something that happened in the 80s and 90s and somehow we're like, everybody's fine. Um, But I also thought it was such a beautiful way of talking about it, Um, right? Kind of like the, I don't even know what all of it honestly means, right? But it was just like thinking about, you know, honey spoiled into mead, uh, away to the Red Lake, Uh, just like these beautiful images, along with something that I think of as like something that's like devastating and like not particularly beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. I I totally agree with what you're saying, you know, because as a person in my forties who basically grew up, you know, like in that time period when everyone was petrified, Mm -hmm. you know, and the, you know, the fear in the gay community was, even more intense but you know people in the mainstream didn't know about it because mm. you just didn't talk about it mm-hmm. um, and people didn't want to know and people were right. vilifying you know gay right. people and um, I think it for to, to see an author sort of talking about this openly and in such a beautiful but um, tra- it's it's tragic and triumphant I mean this is like the I think this is the thing that so draws me to Donez's poetry mm-hmm. is because it's never simple and it's right. always these yeah. you know at least two things that are in tension with e- each other one that is extremely positive and one that is mm-hmm. like at mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. sort of not as positive but yeah. often very negative you know like you know the, this notion that um, your life could be reduced to a line on a piece mm-hmm. of paper right which of course it, they resist that notion um, but then you have these other lines which are yeah. both um they're both like limiting but also um expanding mm-hmm. in the sort of beauty and difficulty of what they describe mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. um so i'm really drawn to that and then i'm drawn to you know this whole um recurring image of blood as mm-hmm. both yeah. This uh, this thing that can wash you, or yeah. this this yeah. this substance that that is that coats you, or that, but also this this um, substance that symbolizes death and ominousness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. danger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, I think this poem really just sort of speaks to me in in that way that mm-hmm. it's both the 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 dark specter of your life forever changed by something like this when you've done nothing wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and but also still the kind of communion of of a community which knows yeah. that this is this could mm. be there for them 
but must come together and move through it, mm. you know? I really like the way I used communion because mm. one of the images that really jumps out at me on page 62 in that section on, you know, that connects water and blood is that it also connects wine and blood, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So mm. we have really a kind of gesture towards transubstantiation, mm. which I think actually gets to what you were talking about, Anita, in that very first section with the honey spoiled into meat or lemon mold, or even like, I think we could play around with things like traffic tickets and unidentified shard and think about mm. all of these are things that are kind of like not the original thing they were, yeah. which um, are now being that. shifted into some new form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the book of Job, of course, is a book all about loss and transformation mm-hmm. in okay. in service. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's fascinating to me, like this I, and I, I so agree with you, Todd, this way in which it's weighted and dangerous, but also um, there's something sacred that's mm. happening here. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and the line that um, I'm kind of reflecting on is um, on page 63, uh, where they write uh, plague and genocide mm. meet on a line mm. in my body. Because, again, thinking about a comment you made, Todd, about um, kind of responsibility and fault. And thinking about um, the the AIDS epidemic and the ways in which the federal government for a long time right. ignored, refused to kind of grapple with um, uh, with it as a public health mm. emergency, mm. Um, and how that also mm. um, right created stigma around around HIV yeah. AIDS. And so thinking about well, plague in terms of um, catching something. You know, a large population catching something and then genocide purposefully. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Although plague also mm-hmm. suggests to me settler colonialism. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So there are yes, ways yes, in which yes, I think yes. both those yes, terms yes, are yes. connected yeah. oh, and drawing oh, HIV yeah. into those narratives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a doozy of a poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all are. Mm-hmm. Anything more to say about this one? <laughs> just right. let it sit with let us. it sit yeah. with well you know like that's one thing when you're teaching poetry um that it's sometimes difficult for students to understand like sometimes poem you read it mm-hmm. and it doesn't just like open up like a like a mm-hmm. puzzle box or something no. sometimes you just got to sit with it yeah. and be confused mm-hmm. dwell in that ambiguity mm-hmm. dwell in that uncertainty right you know let and, it let it resist you for a little bit right. you know? or just the emotion right yeah, like exactly. i feel like it's not yeah yeah yep mm-hmm. all right adriana you are next okay so i chose not an elegy which starts on page 67 how long does it take a story to become a legend How long before a legend becomes a god or forgotten? Ask the rain what it was like to be the river, then ask the river who it drowned. I am sick of writing this poem, but bring the boy. His new name, his same old body, ordinary black dead thing. Bring him and we will mourn until we forget what we are mourning. Is that what being black is about? Not the joy of it, but the feeling You get when you are looking at your child, turn your head, then poof, no more child. That feeling, that's black. Think, once a white girl was kidnapped and that's the Trojan War. Later, up the block, Troy got shot and that was Tuesday. Are we not worthy of a city of ash, of 1,000 ships launched because we are missed? 
I demand a war to bring the dead child back. I at least demand a song, a head. If I must call this their fate, I know the color of God's face. Do you expect me to dance when every day someone who looks like everyone I love is in a gunfight armed with skin? Look closely and you'll find a funeral frothing in the corners of my mouth, my mouth hungry for prayer to make it all a lie. Reader, what does it feel like to be safe, white? How does it feel to dance when you're not dancing away the ghost? How does joy taste when it's not followed by, will come in the morning? Hmm. Reader, it's morning again, and somewhere a mother is pulling her hands across her seed's cold shoulders, kissing what's left of his face. Where is her joy? What's she to do with a child who'll spoil soon, and what of the child? What was their last dream? Who sang to them while the world closed into dust? What cure marker did we just kill? What legend did we deny their legend? I have no more room for grief. It's everywhere now. Listen to my laugh, and if you pay attention, you'll hear a wake. Prediction. The cop will walk free. Prediction. The boy will still be dead. To begin again, I'd give my tongue a cop's tongue, too. A boy, I was a boy with took his own life. I forgot black boys leave that way, too. Have I spent too much time worrying about boys killing each other and being killed that I forgot the ones who do it with their own hands? Is that not black on black violence? A mother tucks her son into earth. Is it not the same plot? I have no words to bring him back. I am not magic enough. People at the funeral wondered what made him do it. People said he saw something. I think that's it. He saw something. What? The world? A road? Trees? A pair of ivory hands? His reflection? His son's? A river saying his name? Hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel about that poem. That whistle right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the way that the, the poem is structured with the speaker speaking to the reader, right? Like, mm -hmm. There's a part, there's a point, a line where the speaker says, reader, what does it feel like to mm -hmm. be safe? Why? I mean, like that, there are a lot, there's so much there mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. who the assumed audience is mm -hmm. for this poem, mm -hmm. why to choose that particular, construct that particular audience for the poem. And actually, I mean, I think it's even more than that, right? Like this, this specific address to a assumed white audience, but yeah. maybe an address to a white audience for the benefit of a black audience who really understands what is going on here right mm -hmm. like so i mean poems or any kind of like you know a uh, piece of writing always has multiple audiences and multiple mm -hmm. registers of ways in which it means and um i think this that was a that's a really sort of smart way of kind mm -hmm. of you know appearing to speak to what our audience but also sort of galvanizing a black emotional mm -hmm. response to this right mm -hmm. yeah because i'd say too that i think so denez does this in a lot of their works in a lot of the poems they're just multiple sections and they yeah. um they have mm -hmm. different sorts of forms and ways i think that they're addressing audience mm -hmm. so like that very first section i think actually um feels differently 
oriented than the one, <clears throat> you know, the one that um, has those two lines uh, mm -hmm. to the dear reader, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or not dear reader, excuse me, just reader, um, mm -hmm. which is all organized in these very, very brief couplets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's actually like this way in which um, the poem moves us in and out of yeah. particular kinds of relationships to um, mm -hmm. black boy's death. Yep. And in fact, I think the last section for me is, is really a jolt, right? Because mm. we've been given a story that is about um, white supremacy mm. and about violence. Mm -hmm. And in the very end, um, I mean, I think it's actually still that same organizing story, but we get this twist, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're asked to think about suicide right. and how does suicide fit into this picture mm -hmm. um, of violence? And so those ending lines mm -hmm. with the, what did he see? The world. Yeah, and how, it, I mean, it goes actually back to um, Dinosaurs in the Hood, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What, what, what do we get to see? Like, do we get to see unimaginable possibility? Mm -hmm. Or, or do we see the river that you know you're destined to drown in? Because that's the river of society. Right. Or be drowned in, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, I mean, it is still about white supremacy, but just in this, like, really different way, right? Yeah. Especially, like, the line about his sons, which I thought was, <sighs> like, his reflection or his son's reflection. Mm -hmm. And kind of thinking about the mother mm -hmm. um, mourning her dead child right um but uh, to the earlier point i was gonna say right i mean i think it's like there's i and we and you and then like sort of the reader so i do think like that was interesting to me right in terms mm -hmm. of like the moving in and out of that um but yeah i guess like yes a jolt but not a jolt like i think in terms of the last section because i feel like it's all still of a piece a, yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i get yeah i gotta get back to that last section you know because i totally agree with you guys you you would take take your own life because either you've seen what life will be and you can't accept right. it you can't you don't want to bear it or you don't even see yeah. any future right mm -hmm. so i mean mm -hmm. it, it reminds me a lot of the eve, eve cedric poem we read remember about the one about the machine eve ewing eve yeah eve ewing, ewing sorry, sorry. <laughs> eve ewing sorry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the eve ewing poem that we read yeah. about the the machine mm. where they were asking mm -hmm. you know it through this machine into the future no into the past into the past that's right i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry and the but, person is laughing right and the person right. laughs and we were like what's that laugh about you know and um but I think, like, I guess what I'm thinking well, about Well, the laugh is, was about the fact that they were alive. Yeah, that that's right. Well, that was one way we it's, read it. It's right. ambiguous. Yeah, it was that's ambiguous. True, we true. read it both ways, I, right. I think. That's true. But, mm -hmm. but, I mean, I think, you know, to think about the possibility of a future, yeah. that so many poems in this collection um, are about the tragedy or trauma of not being able to see a future yeah. that is positive mm -hmm. or yep. that is, you know, nurturing or, or that is in any way sort of positive for right. growth or whatever. Or that's going to have joy, which Wait, is not followed but, by but, but what comes in the morning. This, right, right, right. this yeah. poem does both things, right? right. I mean, right. it gestures at the impossibility of like seeing a future in this particular world, but it's also about the way in which the world, when events have passed, refuses to treat these events as meaningful, yeah. right? So this idea mm -hmm. of like, you know, you're not even allowed to become a legend. Your, right. Right. your name fails, right? Like there's no Trojan War. There's right. no... Mm -hmm. um, and what's fascinating about that, right, is like poetry in itself is, of course, like a, 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 you know, like when we're talking about the Trojan War and we're thinking about, 
you know, the Aeneid or things like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is, poetry is part of that homage, mm-hmm. right? So, like, in some ways, Dinez Smith, it, with the speaker, is providing some of that, um, hmm. you know, that legendary kind of status. Mm-hmm. Um, but the poem itself is acknowledging how impoverished the poem is in relationship to actually material kind of change in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so if it's like, an, if it, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's why, like, even though I, you know, I really, I like all of this poem, what drew me to it, like, the first time I read this book was that section that's just prediction the cop will walk free, mm-hmm. prediction oh. the boy will mm-hmm. still be dead. Because in this kind of, like, po- you know, like, this series of poetic language, um, this kind of question about, like, what is the role and the place of boys' lives and their bodies it's such a blunt mm-hmm, moment, mm-hmm, right? And it does take mm-hmm. that kind of prognosticatory kind of like mm-hmm. um, focus, right? It's just like, this ain't changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but at the same time, like, yes. and it's But it's not an elegy too, right? Like I wanted to right. point that out to yeah. you, right? right. Yeah, yeah. It's not an elegy. Mm-hmm. And the title of the book is Don't Call Us Dead, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. in which mm-hmm. re- I think has numerous kind of <laughs> registers, right? Yeah. Um, that even though this situation exists and even though the Mm. speaker is like struggling with how to think about this, how to experience this or how to be that there's still this resistance toward writing it off, like to say, Mm. well, that's, that's just the way it is. Right. That's that. Right. If we were in class though, with a lot more time, Mm -hmm. because I know that we have to get to your poem, Todd, I think the thing I would ask is, is it not an elegy because it's not about mourning? Okay. Or is it not an elegy because it refuses to inhabit a Western kind of, you know, like poetic history mm. of the elegy? Mm. Because it resists the, the Either the because, form. because it resists that mm. form or because black boys aren't allowed that kind of form mm. in, mm. in Western mm. poetry. Mm. So, I mean, that's, yeah. and I think I kind well, of I lean th- actually a little bit more it's towards that. But it's 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 all those things though, isn't it? I mean, I think I don't know, Todd. We could talk about this for a long time. <laughs> I don't know, you're the teacher, but I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I feel like again, it's one of those things where they do you know more than one thing at yeah. once, right? Yeah. And so I think you're right. They're it so is, good at it. I think yeah. yeah I think it's a, it is a resistance of the form, but it is a resistance of um, of the of of dwelling in that particular place. I mean, it's, I think it's all those things that you say, but. Um, yeah, I love you guys. When I read, when you hear you guys read these out loud, they get even better, mm-hmm. right? They yeah, even more powerful, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so it's your turn, Todd. Oh, speaking of reading. Oh man, I'm gonna <laughs> screw up. I'm sure. <laughs> no. All right. So the one I chose is called "Tonight in Oakland," and it's on page. It's on page seventy-nine. All right. I did not come here to sing you blues. Lately, I open my mouth and out comes marigolds, yellow plums. I came to make the sky a garden. Give me rain or give me honey, dear Lord. The sky has given us no water this year. I ride my bike to a boy. When I get there, what we make will not be beautiful or love at all, but it will be deserved. I've started seeking men to wet the harvest. Come tonight, I declare, we must move instead of pray. Tonight, east of here, two men, one dressed in what could be blood, and one dressed in what could be blood, before the wound, meet and mean, mug, and God, tonight, let them dance. Tonight, guns don't exist. Tonight, the police have turned to their God for forgiveness. Tonight, we bury nothing. We serve a God with no need for shovels. 
God with a bad hip. And brother and a brother in jail tonight, prisons turn to tulips and prisoner means one who dances in a yellow field. Tonight let everyone be their own Lord. Let wherever two people stand be a reunion of ancient lights. Let's waste the moon's marble glow, shouting our names to the stars until we are the stars. Oh, precious God, oh, sweet black town, I am drunk and I thirst. When I get to the boy who lets me practice hunger with him, I won't give him the name of your newest ghost. I will give him my body, and what he does with it is none of my business. But I will say, look, I made it a whole day. Still, no rain. Still, I am without exit wound. And he will say, tonight, mm. I want to take you how the police do, unarmed and sudden. Mm. I kind of got chills there. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. I know you're going to ask me why did I choose this one. So yeah. I'm just gonna <laughs> yes, Todd, why did you choose this one? <laughs> um, I think I chose this one because I am so moved, again, by the way that it intertwines both this... Um, this trauma and this fear of, you know, sort of um, the reality of being a black man in America, the fear of being killed, the fear of being imprisoned, all these sorts of things, the reality of that, right? But um, in, intertwines it with a kind of eroticism and communion with another mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in the way that they, I think they do this a lot in the book, where two people, um, you know, having sex is not always about love or mm -hmm. it's not right. always about mm -hmm. like forever mm -hmm. or it's not always about you know something that the sort of romantic kind mm -hmm. of you know movie sort of <laughs> depiction of it that sometimes it's about survival or sometimes it's about you know just sharing yeah. something in yeah. the moment yeah. you know sometimes it's about um it, it reminds me of Edward Danticott's novel has this novel um farming of bones and mm. in this in the novel the main character who's a woman goes to this extraordinarily tough like experience and um she it, she's with this man who she barely knows and they have actually they're friends i think but they have sex um after a long time of being mm. apart from each other and the way she describes the scene is like they became one person like they they helped to heal each other even mm -hmm. though they would never be healed mm -hmm. and that the, the relationship doesn't continue right it's just this one thing where one person needs another person for whatever reason that mm -hmm. might be mm -hmm. and i always thought it was super beautiful mm -hmm. even though a lot of people who were sort of thinking about it romantically would think like well it's not romantic because mm -hmm. it's not going to lead to any sort of long-term thing or something and i think that you know this depiction of of that you know, it's tonight in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And it's Oakland because Oakland is, you know, a, a town with a lot of black people, a lot of people of color. Mm -hmm. It's a, a highly policed town. It's a town with a lot of sort of social mm -hmm. issues. Um, but even within a context like that, two people can come together for whatever reasons they may have. And then I'm just blown away by those that last mm -hmm. couplet, right? Like, right. Yeah. And he will say tonight, I want to take you how the police do, unarmed mm -hmm. and sudden. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man yeah. oh that's like i don't know you know i i mean i i have ideas but i don't know mm -hmm. i'll let you guys talk so like um before we started recording we were talking about how Dennis smith has this amazing way of uh you know it's it's like a queer sexuality that emerges in the poetry and what we mean by that i think is what you're getting at in this poem it's not just about um you know men who love men right um 
it is about taking sexuality and understanding it outside of heteronormative frameworks yeah. mm-hmm. and about like romantic narrative frameworks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I really like the way you've introduced us to this poem, Todd, in the one, two, three, four, five, in the fifth stanza, there's that moment where like, you know, uh, they say, I ride my bike to a boy. When I get there, what we make will not mm-hmm. be beautiful or love at all, but it will be deserved. Mm-hmm. I've started seeking men to wet the harvest. Mm-hmm. And I really love mm-hmm. that line because because wet the harvest is like getting at the water it needs mm-hmm. to grow. Mm-hmm. What is this harvest, mm-hmm. right? What What is right. being grown? Yeah. But also, I hear W-H-E-T in there, right? Mm. Which huh. means to like sharpen a sharpen knife something. or sharpens like hunger, yeah. right? So I feel like there's also this edge there of like the harvest might be getting grown, but maybe it's getting kind of like, I don't know. There's something there about other possibilities yeah. for what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to, it's like sexuality, but it's about sex, right? Like yeah. I think that sort of in some ways, mm-hmm. it's not sort of like about like whatever, right? Descriptions of sexuality and like identity, right? It's kind of about this like yeah. body and bodies and right. like, right? And this like mm-hmm. really important way that's about bodies of, right? Like well, in, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I don't, you guys got to check me on this because I, I, I'm going to say something I'm not too sure about, but. I mean, it seems to me like there's this um, there's a way in which you know, even pretty recently, where um, people who disapprove of of queerness have said, "Well, you could be queer, but just don't mm-hmm. don't engage in the activity, right. right? You know, like don't have sex, it's not about, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah." And so you can just be that, and that what that requires is a response that, well, what if that's the what if that's a huge part of the identity, right? Like to to, of human identity. Right, right. Like, we don't think about yeah. heteronormative yeah, identity right. because yeah, yeah, yeah. we just think, oh, that's what everyone does, which right. is not true, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this, th- these depictions of sexual encounters then become an expression of identity in a really sort of sacred and um, profound way, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. has normally been suppressed, that has normally yeah. been rejected by uh, mainstream society and still is in a lot of ways. I mean, there's mm-hmm. still... Well, and hence, like, yes, gay marriage, but no gay sex, right? Right, so, right, yeah. right. But, but I think I, I, I see what Anita means, right, which is that this is not a poem about figuring out one's queerness in the world, right? Right. It is about desire, mm-hmm. right? And it starts out with that, you know, I did not come here to sing you blues. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I open my out, mouth and out comes marigolds, <laughs> right? This kind of, like, desire mm-hmm. and expectation of fulfillment that mm-hmm. happens. And so in the second page, page 80 on the second stanza, on that page oh precious god mm-hmm. oh sweet black town i am drunk and i thirst when i get to the boy who lets me practice hunger with him mm-hmm. and there's something yeah. about right like it's it's this verbalized like we're gonna get into it mm-hmm. we're gonna get down mm-hmm. but framed right like mm-hmm. the sacred mm-hmm. oh precious god mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. oh sweet mm-hmm. black mm-hmm. town mm-hmm. um and practice hunger with him. Like, I think that's my favorite line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's this idea that um, yeah. our bodies are, are are about communion with each other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, mm. Yeah, that's absolutely. I think you really captured it right on the head of what I've been thinking, what I was thinking about. And it struck me when you said, I mean, I, I can't bring it into my head um, just uh, right the second. I'm, it's sort of rattling around in here. But that language sounds classical yes and mm. biblical mm-hmm. even it's yeah. the oh it's the yeah, yeah it's like this oh yeah mm. but it sounds like 
almost like a romantic poem, mm-hmm. but it's it's cut out the romance, right? Yes. Like, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, or romance in like the way that we understand it in like these Harlequins romance, like Hollywood romance, right? Like, I feel like the romance to me is about the images, right? Like the marigolds, the yellow plum, the prisons turned to tulips, and prisoner means one who dances in a yellow field. Mm-hmm. Like that is a different kind of romance, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Like sort of this romantic. Um, images, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I I do think there's echoes of biblical imagery here, right? The give me rain or give me honey, mm-hmm. dear Lord, mm-hmm. and the drought. Mm-hmm. So there's something here about a uh, ending of plagues, right? Like mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. For I don't know. I don't have the language for it. I clearly don't read the Bible often enough. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was not gonna pick up on that, but I was just gonna say it's about. I mean, if it's like after, but it's kind of about survive survival, right? Yeah. Like I made it a whole day, yeah, and still no rain. Still, I am without exit wound. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that the the rain works two ways, right? I mean, the rain which is nourishing for the harvest, but also the rain which is sort of like mm-hmm. the bad weather, right? Mm. So I've made it through a whole day and. No rain. Bad things yeah, haven't happened no to rain. me, but mm-hmm. also no no sort of spiritual nourishment, which is mm. about what this mm. this encounter is, is about. Is about is right. going to you be, practice right? hunger with him. Yeah, yeah. Practice, I love that. I mean, yeah. like you 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 keyed on that again. But what does it mean to practice yeah. hunger, hunger with someone? Yeah, and a hunger which, I mean, when we think about, when we think about our lives, mm-hmm. is a hunger that won't ever go away. That mm-hmm. every right. time you indulge it you practice it a thing which will yeah yeah Mm. yeah because we always think of hunger as something that's going to be like you you're hungry you eat and it goes away but it always comes back Mm -hmm. (laughs) it always comes back and people don't think about practicing the hunger they think about practicing the thing that will make the the satiation satiation, right yeah yeah it's not about satiation Mm -hmm. um i was wondering if you guys just i know we're running out of time but um, in the middle of the poem, before the wound, meet and mean mug and God tonight, let them dance tonight. And I just had this moment where I was like, oh, Gwendolyn Brooks. Gwendolyn mm. Brooks. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about whether you guys saw Gwendolyn Brooks um, and the way I was that they voguing. play. <laughs> um, that's fair. I felt like there were moments in a lot of their poems yeah. where the way they play with language and put together, especially alliteration yeah. and rhythm, yeah. felt very Brooksian to yeah. me. I, I agree. And I think they're in conversation with all of these different poets. And yeah. I yeah. that's one thing that I really love and admire about them as a poet. I think if you look in the back, in the um, oh, the notes, notes oh, section, you've got yeah, you got language from Erica Badu, Lucille Clifton, Ocean Vuong, you know. So there's a lot yeah. of Beyonce, Alicia Keys. So it's it's in mm. it's in conversation with a lot of poets and and artists and music, music, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But I definitely think yeah. There's definitely Gwendolyn Brooks in here. And I feel Sonia Sanchez mm. in yes, here. Yes, I know. agree. Does yeah. your house have lions, you know? Hmm. Um, you know, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of stuff yeah. like that. Um, I feel like when we read e-viewing, I talked about how, like, you know, partly why I don't read poetry is because I'm intimidated by it. Um, and I feel like this book is interesting because I feel like I didn't catch any of those references, but I don't think it mattered. You don't need it. No, right, you like, I don't it. think it mattered in terms yeah. of, like, how... 
I was affected by the poems, how I sort of, you know, learned from the poems, how, all of those how things. How you cried in a cafe I, reading I know. The poems. I just right. cry. I just had tears in my eyes. And oh, okay. I admit <laughs> that you cried. <laughs> but that's but a, yeah, but I feel like that's, like, the beauty of, like, mm-hmm. their poetry is that, like, as, this like, so, you know, you could, like, pick all those things up and you still might not absolutely. and you can still get a lot out of it. I think if we, if, if we are doing a service as people talking about poetry on a podcast, I think one of the most important things that we want people to understand that I have always wanted people to understand is that poetry is not about figuring something out that right. the that the writer wanted you to figure out. Right, right. It's more about how do you feel when you read it. What you know, like to know that there's a poetic illusion or a biblical illusion, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like those things add a right. kind of layer of understanding. But right. there's sort of the base thing, which is like, I mean, I think a lot of times the first question I ask students is how does it make you feel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what did the poet want you to see? Yeah. Smell, mm-hmm. taste, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, what what, what things do you feel like the poet is sort of putting in front of you? Yeah. And how does that make you, how do you respond to it mm-hmm. emotionally? What, how does what that make you feel? What language are they creating for you? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think what you're saying is like, if this poem, poetry does that for you. Yeah. And you obviously mm-hmm. had a response to it, yeah. right? That yeah. was strong and powerful. Yeah. Um, I know we're like almost out of time, but since you brought up the title, <laughs> can we also maybe spend like two minutes just talking about the image on the front? Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking about this notion of like possibility and freedom and like, right, like it's they're holding on the so there's like two people and like the person kind of a, who's like floating Right, is holding a balloon, which like invokes both like childhood and like mm-hmm. thinking about black boys and mm-hmm. all of that, mm-hmm. but also to me, kind of like limitless possibility and like uh, freedom. So kind of, yeah, I don't but know. They're so also just in silhouette, and the faces are very dark. Yeah, and it reminds me a little bit of Kara Walker's work, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like says... again, it's like both, both things. Yeah. It's Shakith. Is that the artist? Yeah. The moment you doubt whether you can fly, you cease mm. forever to be able to do it. It's is the, the title, title of it. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, basically, the perfect image was chosen for this book, mm-hmm. right? On the edge of hope, but also despair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good note to end on. So yeah. we're going to do what we do. Uh, go around and maybe say what we've been reading, watching, how we've been surviving. (laughs) So, Adriana, do you want to start us off? I will start us off. If you all have not listened to Beyonce's Homecoming Uh, album mm -hmm. or to Lizzo's Cause I Love You Mm -hmm, album, mm -hmm. you are missing some of the best and, like, most healing and inspiring music Mm -hmm. ever. I have had those albums on repeat. Hmm. Um, and I recommend, too, that you all watch Lizzo's um, video for Juice. Mm-hmm. My students did an amazing kind of a reading of, like, how she takes, uh, like, all of these kind of various institutional spaces, advertising and fitness, hmm. like, these places that discipline women's bodies, <laughs> and makes herself the center of all of them. And hmm. she is the observer, and she is the producer, hmm. and basically Lizzo is all. Lizzo is also local, so yes. we all have good reason to love her. Yes, and Thank I, you. Um, I love Lizzo so much. 
that even though I don't live in D.C., I bought a ticket to her tour in D.C. for <laughs> September. Yeah, <laughs> I said, I'll be there, so I'm just going to go yeah. to the Lizzo because I love you tour. And the tour sold out within 15 minutes of the ticket. I tried. Thing. I tried yeah. to buy one for you, and it <laughs> yeah. was impossible. It was impossible. She's, I was so she mad. She's coming here? Uh, I'm sure well, she, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. We did see her once. So. Oh, y'all saw her once? Yeah, like a while How ago. was it? It was amazing. So, so amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Crystal, what are you reading? Or I'm not listening reading anything. To I'm reading. Watching. <laughs> I'm reading final papers that I'm gonna <laughs> be grading. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm not really reading anything. I'm trying to transition to DC, so a little preoccupied. It. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We're really excited for you. Thank you. And that for us. Yeah. Yeah. This is super sad. <laughs> but you're still gonna be here. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. Okay. In That's voice right. and spirit. Yes. 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 Yeah. All right, so I am reading um, uh, Barbara Neely's uh, Blanche and the Talented, uh, Among the Talented Ten. I haven't so, read Barbara Neely in so long. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I taught um, Blanche on the Lamb in uh-huh. uh, Black Mystery class back when back in the fall. I don't know what it was. God, I want to I'm on sabbatical, so I don't so know. Badly. We should. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you do that? Can you team teach when you're at different I'll, schools? We'll figure we'll it figure out. out. Anyway. So there are four novels and uh, mystery novels in that mm. in that series. So I'm working on reading the other ones because Blanche on the Lamb, I think is I, I actually was at a um, a conference uh, last week where some of my students were presenting a, p- a panel on uh, on Blanche on the Lamb, and I I said you know like I think like is Blanche on the Lamb actually the sort of perfect black novel? Mm. Um, it was a it was a hypothetical uh-huh. question, <laughs> but I encourage people to go out and read. Start with Blanche on the Land. That's the first one. Just give it a read. I think it is an amazing, amazing novel. Huh. Um, and I also want to shout out uh, my friend Kanishka Chowdhury. His new book just came out, Human mm-hmm. Rights Discourse in the Post-9-11 Era. Um, and it, I've started to read it, and it's really, really fascinating. So human rights discourse is this thing that's all over mm-hmm. right now, and he really takes a look at it in the global context and is really uh, sort of really critical of its its deployment. So I would definitely uh, ask you to take a look at that book. So cool. it should be coming to a library near you, near you pretty quickly. Nice. Um, I had the chance recently to read this amazing memoir by Lindsay Nixon, and I apologize if I mess up the pronunciation of the title. It's called Nitisanak, which is a Cree term, a uh, gender-neutral term to refer to family or relations. It's funny. It's direct. It's like this beautiful intersectional exploration of gender and sexuality and indigeneity and class. So I'm actually going to read like a tiny part from the book just because I think it gets at um, sort of this complexity. And this is on page 39. When people ask me why my pronouns, correction, when white people ask me why my pronouns aren't the most important to me now, I explain that my gender, something I associate very closely with my indigeneity and lineages of diverse gender in my community, could never be affirmed through the use of colonial language through one word. I just wish I had the Cree words to say what my traditional traditional gender role is. Though, I still appreciate the use of they by savvy folks who really see me. Hmm. So, nice. I just, yeah, so I definitely recommend it as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, you? please. Um, you and I both got the opportunity to go see Parable of the Sower, the concert Yes! Version. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And it was amazing. That was pretty amazing. And I just wanted to, so if you guys don't know uh, Parable of the Sower, Octavia Butler's yes. book. Um, it's an amazing book. There are two books, uh, Parable of the Sower, Sower and Parable of the Talents. Mm-hmm. Um, many people haven't read the second book, and it is dynamite oh, too. I haven't either. Yeah, okay. and it like it really um, sort of pinpoints the kind of political 
situation that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. But this was amazing because it was Toshi Reagan yes. and a band yes. and performers yes. putting this to music. And to me, like, what was even, I don't know, the most amazing thing about it is that St. Kate's, yeah. it was like the queerest, most oh. brown, black and brown audience yeah. huh. I have ever been a part and, of yes. seeing anything I'm so bummed I missed it. It was amazing. I feel like I saw so many people we knew. Yeah. Well, not everyone. Right. Well, yeah. (laughs) And I wasn't there. All the scions of the queer community, the black community, the brown community, they were all there. And it was just amazing. And it was really cool because, like, there was this one point where they, like, start to perform a song and they're like, just this reaction. I think we all laughed at something. So they, like, stopped and, like, reacted to that and then, like, kept going. Like, it was just amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it was so amazing. It was actually a concert, you know? Exactly, exactly. All right. Adriana's like, shut up, people. Let's move on. (laughs) Uh, But it's amazing. Uh, So our next book is going to be Claudia Rankine's The White Card, which is going to be the second play that we're going to be reading. And also, I'm super excited because I get to go see Claudia Rankine tonight. But yeah, so So we'll um, look for that episode in a month or so, and that'll be our brand new format for the podcast with Crystal beaming in from, well, not outer space, just from from DC. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, thanks, y'all. Check us out on all the things. Um, And yeah, please like write on Facebook or tweet at us. Tweet at us. And let us know what you think or if there's anything else you want to let us know. All right. right. Bye, y'all. Bye. You have been listening to another brand new episode of The Drip recorded live in my house in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Drip is written, produced, and directed by the All Spoilers Collective, which is Anita, Adriana, Crystal, and myself. Our mascot is Bash the Dog. Our music is by Lord Jordan X out of Kansas City, Missouri. We will be back next uh, month in June with a brand new episode on Claudia Rankin's new one-act play, The White Card. Uh, Until then, we hope you all be easy. If you listen up a little bit after the credits are over, get a little bit of St. Paul's own brilliant Donnez Smith. See ya. search of darker planets, a solar system that revolves too near a black hole. I've left in search of a new God. I do not trust the God you have given us. My grandmother's hallelujah is only outdone by the fear she nurses each time the blood fat summer swallows another child who used to sing in the choir. Take your God back. Though his songs are beautiful, his miracles are inconsistent. I want the faith of Lazarus for Ranisha. I want Chucky, Bo, Mo, Sean, Trayvon, Janila risen three days after their entombing. Their ghosts re-gifted flesh and blood. Their flesh and blood re-gifted their children. I've left Earth. 
I'm equal parts sick of your go back to Africa's as I am your, I just don't see races. Neither did the poplar tree. We did not build your boats, though we did leave a trail of kin to guide us home. We did not build your prisons, though we did, and we filled them too. We did not ask to be part of your America, though are we not America? Her bones brittle, dress ripped, dragging her dead child through Oakland. I am sick of standing this ground. I will not call your reckless the law. Each night I count my brothers and in the morning when some don't survive to be counted I count the holes they leave your master magic trick America. Now he's breathing. Now he don't. Abracadaver. White bread voodoo. This sorcery you claim not to practice. Hand my cousin a pistol to do your work. I tried. White folks. I tried to love y'all, but you spent my brother's funeral making plans for brunch. Talking too loud next to his bones, you took one look at the river plump with the body of girl after boy after sweet, sweet child and asked, why does it always have to be about race? Because you made it that way. Because you put an asterisk next to my sister's gorgeous face. Call her pretty for a black girl because black girls go missing without a whisper of way. Cause there are no amber alerts for amber skinned girls Because Jordan boomed and Emmett whistled And Huey P spoke it and Martin preached it Because black boys have always been too loud to live Cause it's taken my father's time My mother's time My uncle's time My aunt's time My grandma's time My grandpa's time My niece's time My nephew's time How much time do you want? for this progress. I've left Earth and I won't stop until I find a place where my kin can be safe. Until black people ain't but people the same color as the good wet Earth. Until that means something. Until then, I bid you well. I bid you war. I bid you our lives to gamble with no more. I've left Earth and I am touching everything. You beg those telescopes to show you. I am giving the stars their right names. And this new life, this new history, you cannot see or touch or study or steal or ship or whip or hang or burn or cut or rape or red line or hang or shoot or jail or shoot or jail or shoot or jail or shoot or jail or shoot or shoot or shoot or shoot or ruin no this if only this one life is ours